0: Alright, all right, all right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Afro Saya, the Afro Latino podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gutierrez. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you everyone for sharing the podcast. Thank you for connecting with us. Today I have an awesome program. Today I'm gonna be uh, talking and having a conversation with my good friend Marie Nubia Feliciano. She is a professor, a PhD professor at Chapman University, and also at UC Irvine. So we going to talk about Afro-Latinos. We are going to hear a little bit of updates on Puerto Rico. She is an afro She She's an Afro-Puerto Rican, and she's going to be telling us what's going on in the island, and she's going to keep us updated on also, we're gonna talk a little bit about what's going on in Haiti. We covered that last uh, last episode, but also Cuba. You hear about it? Cuba is hot, hap- so I think the whole islands, like the Caribbean. This is the Caribbean time, and guess what, Mimi? How do my other friends just say? You know, Mimi. So we're gonna have. In August, an awesome series of educational podcasts. Uh, we are going to cover the Caribbean and Central America. So you're going to be hearing the same format that we have a previous episode with Latin America. You're going to hear about Afro-Latinos, but you are going to hear from the Caribbean and Central America. But that's happening in August. So stay tuned with Afrosaya, the Afro Saya, the Afro-Latino podcast. Okay, without any further ado, let's begin with our podcast And this is Afrosaya. Welcome to to Afrosaya. 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 Okay, so I finally finished my book. I'm super excited. This was the number one national best seller. The book is Title Outliers and the Story of Success by Malcolm Gladwell. Really like it. Not to spoil anyone, but you will be uh, checking on your birthday every time you're reading this book. And um, I'm gonna go for the next one, which is Blink. Yeah, that's my next uh, reading for these next two weeks. So hopefully, I can have that finish before school year starts. So, okay, so a few weeks ago, we went camping with my husband and a couple friends. I was amazing. So we went to Utah. The place that we went is called Kent's Lake Campground, which is part of the uh, Fish Lake National Forest. Um, Very nice place. There's three lakes. We were in Lake number two. Uh, The lake was really nice. There's no internet whatsoever, so no power, electricity, no internet, it was great like being away from all technology for a couple days was fantastic honestly, so we got these uh, floating boats with my hobby and we went into the lake, it was fantastic, I really love it, that was our thing for this year Uh, we also played a game which was my favorite part Uh, Talisman, I don't know if you're playing, if you are into board games that was one of my favorite games and I almost won Almost doesn't count, I know, but I almost. So it was exciting. Also, we got a little bit of rain. So being from Sacramento, there's no rain. So you don't see often that phenomenon. So it was like, it's raining. It was great to see the rain. Um, My tent did not get wet which was great. The fire was still ongoing, even though it was raining, but it was great. Like it wasn't really like, you know, sucking wet. It was just the summer rain. <laughs> it was it was awesome. I hope you did something fun too this summer because I think it's about time to do something fun. And if you want to share with me, like how was your summer or something that you wanted to share with me, please go to our Facebook page, visit AfroSaya and let me know how you're spending your summer. I want to know. I want to know how you're doing. Okay. Okay, so that was my summer, it's basically over. Another thing before we go into the other section in in our show, these episodes are coming every week for this month, but starting in August, it's going to be bi-monthly. So hopefully you will be connected to us, okay? All right, let's jump into the next section in our show. All right, everyone, let me introduce you to our guest, Maria Nubia Feliciano. She She has a PhD in education, emphasis in curricular and cultural studies. She has a master's in science in counseling, emphasis in student development in higher education, and she has a bachelor's of arts in social science from the University of California, Irvine. She's currently teaching at Chapman University, And she has also taught in Bretman University at the California State University of Long Beach. Our conversation actually was recorded last Tuesday. Thank you, Maria, for coming over. And you guys know we talk about uh, ethnic studies and I really love what's going on. So she's going to also provide us a lot of information about that, if that's something Probably really new for you as well. So stay tuned to our podcast because that's the central part of this episode today. So we are going to also hear great news about a publication from Marie. So I'm very excited about that. Before jumping into our conversation, let's have our Saya music going on, and we are going to jump into the conversation after that. Don't go anywhere because after the Saya music, the beautiful Saya music music we are going to hear maria feliciano who is going to tell us all this awesome information and uh, you you don't want to miss that really you don't want to miss that okay let's go
1: So hi, Marie Welcome to AfroSaya. Bienvenida. Uh, muchas gracias. Thank you, Alejandra. I really appreciate you having me back to continue on the topic of Afro-Latinidad After a year of talking about it before. Yeah. So
0: I really appreciate you coming to the podcast like a year ago when we were talking about different communities in Latin America and a lot of people were asking like, yes, I didn't know about Afro Latinos in, in Puerto Rico and our conversation really sparkled into our listeners. So thank you so much. You're so how's your summer going on?
1: Oh, my summer's coming, coming along really great. I'm, you know, doing my own little thing i'm writing and um, creating i'm working with an editor to get my dissertation into a book form so that's coming uh, hopefully coming by the middle of next year so that'll be another contribution to this conversation
0: awesome so we're gonna have another conversation with you about your book and we're gonna (laughs) yes okay yes, okay there's more there's more materials for everyone (laughs) absolutely that's lovely. All right, so let's jump into our topics because um, you know, this summer and summer always bring us a lot of conversations. And I think recently we we, we, we know what happened in Haiti, uh, really sad, uh, but one of the things that I really like to bring about Haiti is because not many people know that Haiti was a colony or colonized by, you know, French and they fought against them. And the next chapter was so hard because they were paying back all the money. Like the whole story of Haiti is really crazy. But the people here are very strong people, and I love that. So, uh, what do you think about the political situation? What are your thoughts about it?
1: Oh well, it is. It's one of the first um, in the in the in this hemisphere of a freed black country uh, coming out of colonialism and and enslavement. And so, yes, I don't remember when this began, but I think in the last 10 years or so, Haiti, or before Haiti was charged with repaying France for the loss of income because of that liberation. Part of the economic hardships are because of that economic drain, as well as the instability Mm -hmm. that comes from post- Colonial realities uh, yeah. that the, the country is having a difficult time, and it is incredibly heartbreaking. I'm not too familiar with uh, the details of the history between the U.S. Mm-hmm. and Haiti, but I know the U.S. has had and still has hemispheric control and mm-hmm. influence over the area. So, this may be informing the very careful steps that the U.S. is taking in responding to both what's happening in Haiti and what's happening in Cuba.
0: Yeah, wow. It, it looks like this is the Caribbean time now. So I'm very excited for a few things going on, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we, we're hoping for the best for uh, Haiti. Uh, you know, it's interesting as Bolivian because um, when we read statistics, usually, and I don't know how they do the statistics, but they usually say, you know, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere and it's like Bolivia and Haiti, always at the bottom. You know, I, I understand the limitations that we have because I grew up in a country, that we have a lot of educational limitations but overall i think we were very happy people and i don't know if happiness will be in the ranking one day and then we can be at the top Finally, but uh, yeah, Haiti is a very interesting country for me. So hopefully things will get better there. Uh, moving on onto next topic. Uh, so we both were uh, featured into the Sacramento Bee, which is a local newspaper here in the capital city of California, yeah. and uh, that was amazing. Like I think they put in a lot of um, information link to our conversations. And my question is, how do you feel about it? And um, yeah, what are your thoughts about it?
1: Well, the article was really good. It did. uh, Kim... I think that's how you say her last name. She actually she did a really good job at reflecting the conversation she and I had. Uh, And one thing I want to say is that I really love the video of you discussing the issues facing Afro-Latinos and how those issues seem to cross both the African-American and the Latino community in general. We kind of exist in in those two worlds and the social structures of health and policing Mm -hmm. interact with us differently depending on where we're located. And so you did A good job at explaining uh, that reality because it is it's it's difficult. I mean, uh, the article talked about that uh, police that that military person that was stopped by the. By by the police. And he was interacted with as a black man. And although he's a military personnel and but he understands that he has to live in this world as a black person and in the minds of the people. Police, that means that brings with it their understanding and their biases of the history of African Americans yeah. within that policing structure. You know, uh, us who are Afro Latinos, we come from a different starting point because of the cultural context. But once we're in the United States, stateside in that structure, Sort of locks us in and that is how the institutions interact with us. So we have to figure out, it's like, so what's going on? Why is it that they're you yeah. know, behaving this way or talking this way? It's like, you know, yeah. my hands are right here. I right. And, and yeah. it's that, that's what's happening. So oftentimes we have to learn how to be black in the United States, which is really is, yeah. we have to learn how to be African-American yeah. here and add an additional cultural dimension to our reality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine, you know, having these, you know, information out there. And then the minute it happens to you, what do you do? Like every day I sometimes start thinking, how do I interact as a Brown Latino person, you know, who knows English as a second language, uh, what is going to be my interaction with them and how are they going to respond? So I definitely think that when you see injustice, you know, you, you get angry because you've seen that something that you didn't do, it's just been targeted to you. And I think that was the case. One thing I really like about the article um, and you know you share that experience with, with the community uh, when you get into a space and you're trying to fo- you find your voices into the Latino uh, community and it also kind of like happened to me in the other side too like when I interact with the African American communities you know they ask me same things like how do you and you know where are you from like you know this is a space for black people and I'm like uh-huh, I know and I get it sometimes because the experience that we have it's very different right I cannot be an African-American when I'm an Afro-Latino and being Latino is not being indigenous or mestizo because I'm also black in the spaces right so I really like when you were explaining you know those music that people were asking you uh, who your parents were like how do you learn Spanish when you're like actually uh, it's my first language
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah these cultural litmus tests that's what I've you know, yeah. term that came out of my dissertation studies, my research studies. It's awesome. little check marks per, of self-described gatekeepers. And okay. some of them may not even meet the standards that they're holding us up to, like being born in the country that uh, that their cultural group is from, not being able to speak Spanish. But they use those cultural uh, litmus tests on us mm-hmm. to check our validity and our legitimacy uh, yeah. for to for membership of a community that it's the only one we know it's our only cultural orientation. And we're being asked to, explain and prove and who are you? I mean,
0: yeah, exactly. Like all
1: of a sudden there's a gate.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like all these boxes that you have to start checking in. Yeah. How do you think this is changing? If you think it's changing, like, I mean, you know, your experience and my experience, which is very interesting, you were describing something in the 1990s and we're in 2020, but in 2010 for me was the same experience that you were having. So I'm like, when this is going to change? So what do you think?
1: Well, I think, Uh, at least in California with the ethnic studies curriculum uh, uh, the outlines although very imperfect and I know that there's sort of a division in, in the committee itself of the crafting and the wording and everything else but the fact that the reality of an ethnic studies curriculum as a requirement was something that was yeah. had in California was, was a really important first step. And then, yes, you, you get the imperfections of, you know, what kinds of words and what, whose histories and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And that's the stuff that we still need to work out. But the fact that we're going to have an ethnic studies curriculum in the state of California is important because these mm-hmm. types of conversations that speak to the realities of, so many students all of a sudden yeah. the curriculum becomes relevant to them because they now get to see dealing with the content area and the topics yeah, yeah. they're now we're, we're now in the state of california we'll be able we have a broader array of examples and readings and all of that that will now be not necessarily required but a viable option mm-hmm. that yeah. will then tap into the realities and lived experiences of many more students we can talk about neil degrasse he's a he's an astrophysicist we can Mm -hmm. talk about science by using he's an afro-latino i
0: mean (laughs) and so
1: right so now we could see other kinds of people as we're talking about the content area so it's the 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 fact that people think that oh now we're going to have ethnic studies we're you know we're going to move away from the mm-hmm. the, the canon or the core curriculum it's like, no we're not I mean yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. as if only only whiteness can yeah. house this these, these content areas and have it be legitimate and scholarly and like, it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. There's genius and greatness mm. in many, many cultural groups yeah. and many, many racial groups. We're now just giving the state of California's curriculum is giving educators the go ahead to include mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. as long as they map on to the big ideas that we want our students to learn and go away with. We're just making it more relevant. So oh, I God. think uh, afro Latinidad sits within that space. We can now mm-hmm. talk about the, the Blacksicans <laughs> yeah. oh, Black- because there's so many in, in LA, it. especially yeah. there's oh, so yeah. many kids through marriage mostly yeah. Um, yeah. because you and I are fortunate enough that we come from yeah. places like Puerto Rico is a place where people like me come from yeah. we're not a blending of marriage where yeah. it's like black and white or black and you know african American and Guatemalan, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, or our African American and Mexican. African Americans are from the United States, mm-hmm. and their history kind of is tied, is mm-hmm. not kind of is tied to the uh the birth of this nation. Yeah. And Mexicans, they're from an, you know, they're from the country of Mexico. So this mm-hmm. person is a blending of those two locations. Whereas I, speaking for myself, I am from this place that mm-hmm. already did the blending for me mm-hmm. that I now embody. And yeah. so we could now talk about how the different compositions of people and yeah. as we talk about the big ideas and one of them is Afro died so I'm really looking forward to kids okay. now having permission to talk about how how you know Japanese and, and African americans or mm. Japanese and Mexicans or yeah. or yeah. Punjabis and Mexicans there's a history yeah. of in la of the Punjabi Mexican community those will be legitimate legitimized within this cu- curriculum yeah. for to, for kids to, every child to learn and for yeah. many kids to say well those are my parents yeah it's gonna it's gonna be great it's gonna
0: be you know and they will literally listen because when you start saying things that they are seeing or they associate with it they're like oh okay yes this makes sense
1: yeah oh they're talking about my people and now i have something to contribute rest before always feeling like you're being put upon yeah i gotta learn this i gotta love another white guy blah 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 blah. all of a sudden it's like oh wait wait what they're talking about mexican punjabis that's that's my grandparents wait what and so they 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 wake up because now the curriculum is relevant and then at that point you can just slip in the content the big ideas that you want them to go away with within that context and that's culturally relevant
0: pedagogy. Yeah. And you one thing I will say with it, I love this because I really feel like now things are changing because we have these very specific strategies that are going to take place in the U.S. And I think that could be something that in 2030, we could say, oh, Maria, this is what is changing. And I'm super happy on that. Uh, Also gives the uh, people the autonomy of being part of the community. I remember back in Bolivia, uh, my generation became, you know, the Advocacy of of black issues and the older people now start feeling I can participate so then I can go to the city council and just raise my voice and be part of it so a lot of communities are saying we don't have participation of the Latinos or brown people but this is the factor right so there's no in and a conversation about who we are and what we are and and why we are in the mix and the blending and all the stuff and when that start cleaning up now you can see better and you will be like, okay, there were you,
1: right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Oh, I
0: love that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's that acknowledgement that we are also here and that sort of gives the kids as they go through a curriculum, like an ethnic studies curriculum, the validation that you absolutely matter it isn't just something they hear that it's something that they live and it's just like hell yeah and mm-hmm. yeah I'm gonna go to the city council and talk about yeah. why the home communities or there our students need to have a certain they need to be addressed our our retention isn't as high and because okay. I absolutely matter and my voice should be heard and they have to listen to me So that's uh, that level of empowerment of the next generation that really is in charge of creating a pluralistic multicultural uh, Mm -hmm. society. We need to do that
0: Yeah Yeah And we will be uh, Monitoring how the Implementation is going on So we will yes. have More conversation on that Oh yeah, yeah Absolutely <laughs> So Maria We wanted to know uh, How is the island Of Puerto Rico Doing uh, We know You know The island was hit Really bad With the storm A couple of years yeah. ago uh, It was on the news Everywhere That was also the time That people were like What? Puerto Ricans are Americans? <laughs> oh, come on Right So Interesting things But uh, What you can update us on on the island Puerto Rico I love la gente Puerto Rico mi gente so how they're
1: doing well it's uh it's man, the conditions are, are tough. Hurricane Maria in 2017, that's what Mm -hmm. you were referring to. Um, There were other hurricanes prior to that, but I think Hurricane Maria really did It was sort of like the final straw and the infrastructure collapse. And then with the, how global warming and, Mm -hmm. and rapid climate change is being reflected in the Caribbean community. The, the, uh, the archipelago that is Mm -hmm. Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Haiti, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, all of those, uh, yeah. where it's just the storms are just coming so fast and furiously, it's hard to recover. In hurricane right. Maria, really, the infrastructure isn't there. Sort yeah. of in, in, prepar- in preparing for today's conversation, I viewed a, a CBS News online video yeah. of the governor of Puerto Rico, <laughs> mm-hmm. ta- uh, Pedro Pierre Luis Luisi, mm-hmm. okay. talking about he's he's pro-statehood, mm-hmm. and I, given what I know and given. My family's history there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so much has happened that I don't know if nationhood is the most viable option Mm. at this point because... You know, how are we going to get a military together? How are yeah. we going to, you know, the infrastructure, the tax structure, the yeah. you know protections? Because I don't know. And then, how is the U.S. and the hemispheric influence? How is that yeah. going to impact Puerto Rico as a nation? So the governor is pro-statehood, and from what yeah. from my readings and speaking with my family, is there's always divisions, but it's just like being a state is the best. Least liked option for to to improve the conditions of Puerto Rico. I mean, mm. the, the governor even said that it's a geographic discrimination the way Puerto mm. Ricans are treated. You know, mm. if there's a Puerto Rican that struggles and they're able to get their mean the financial means together to move stateside, mm. then they're treated they're treated as full citizens of the United States that we mm. are. And why is that? Because on the island, we're we're not taxed the same way. We have different ways of voting. Um, And so there's a Senate bill and an HR bill. Senate Bill 865, it's Puerto Rican Self Determination Act. And its goal is to recognize the right of the people of Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. to call a status convention through which the people would exercise their natural right to self determination, Mm -hmm. more than a plebiscite, which Mm -hmm. is more to establish a mechanism for congressional consideration or state. Or at least self-determination Depending on what the city The the people have determined And the last vote in November Was 53% of the population Is for statehood
0: Um, It's a large majority I mean Yeah, it's enough of a majority For
1: sure And then the HR Bill 1522 Is an actual declaration Saying the subject To the provisions of this act And upon issuance Of the proclamation The Commonwealth of Puerto Rico Is hereby declared To be a state of the United States And as Mm. such I'll be declared admitted no. into the union on an equal footing with all yeah. of the states in all other respect and in, in, in all other respects so with yeah. that comes the support mm. because right now puerto rico is mm. a tax haven for everything yeah. my kid's pediatrician yeah. it's oh, like really? oh yeah puerto rico oh yeah wow. i go there there are no taxes it's like yeah that's why we have trouble keeping the lights on and <laughs>
0: yeah getting yeah. bathing
1: on the road it's like yeah so yeah. but there is a uh, we have a per- production, which is uh, bio um, biotech. Okay. And it's been there for for a very long time. I've had aunts yeah. and ops that work for Trabenthal yeah. and uh, all the biotech companies there, but they're there as a, in tax shelters. Mm-hmm. uh capacity where they okay. can they get free buildings okay and they have uh, they don't necessarily have to pay those t- the taxes that any company wow. needs to for the area but they bring jobs technically that's right. what they say we bring jobs but they're not yeah. that great paying mm-hmm. but then the the citizens then through their taxes their personal taxes have to pay right. for Right, the outcome of a company being uh, being in their in their locality. So if yeah. there's big trucks and they tear up the roads, mm-hmm. the tax money isn't coming from the building, the company that right. needs the trucks to do that. It comes from the people, and yeah. there's just not enough money. We can't yeah. tax the people enough. Unemployment is really high. It's in the double digits. Yeah. So it's struggling, and hurricane season is is coming.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing, you know I really appreciate you giving us the Update, the latest update on Puerto Rico Puerto Rico should be like If you guys want to be part of the state The states, it should be now And it should be happening just like You know, um, just like other states And have the same rights to vote for the President. I really hope that uh, Puerto Rico uh, becomes a statehood Or if it becomes their own country I think it will, as you Say, will take a lot of infrastructure And a lot of work to do it so yeah I don't know the people of Puerto Rico are the best the ones that have to decide on this yes because- yeah because
1: I'm a Puerto Rico Puerto a, a Puerto Rican in California I don't yeah. live there full time I do have family that lives yeah. there and I can through them vicariously yeah. through them I could see the struggles I can hear yeah. the competing conversations and they're yeah. they are literally and figuratively drowning
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: something needs to be done
0: okay well definitely we're gonna keep um, our eyes on Puerto Rico and we're gonna keep updating people because we need to talk about Nuestra Gente Puerto Rican so very nice Um, (laughs) I was just gonna ask you on our last question here uh, what do you think about the term Afro Latino it's been in the news lately everyone's been talking about In the Highs and all their other shows Afro Latino I'm not Afro Latino who is Afro Latino what do you think is going on Maria give us your input on that
1: (laughs) yeah i think there's still a lot of awareness about the issues and identities that encompass afro-latinidad even those who are not afro-latino are becoming interested in doing research on the topic uh there is a podcast the interviewer this time around interviewed a cuban woman who does talk about afro-latinidad afro-latin american in the u.s Mm -hmm. afro-latinx community uh and She's, she herself doesn't. Mm-hmm. doesn't identify as an afro-Latina, but mm-hmm. she's a historian wow. and she looks at populations and movements. she's a professor of American studies and so it really is a way you know challenging the narrative of afro-cuban migration. Yeah. So she looks at her own people and looks at that particular population within that cult her cultural group. Mm-hmm. And so there are people that are not don't self-identify as afro mm-hmm. latinos Talking about Afro-Latino issues. So that's mm. kind of a nice, a, a nice, um, acknowledgement that one, it's okay. a good scholarly pursuit within, yeah. within post-secondary education, okay. but like that, it. uh, our stories are just as important to create. Um, mm. it's the, it's an, a necessary thread as mm. we sort of weave together the stories of Afro-Latinidad yeah. uh, or Latinidad in general. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm I'm part of the inaugural scholar in residence for the oh, Center for awesome. Black Cultures, yeah. uh, resources and research at UCI, okay. um, and, it, the, and it's named after Arturo Schomburg, oh, African Puerto awesome. Rican. You know, he's, yeah, he was right. part of the Harlem Renaissance, and he helped. He was part of that group of the Black diaspora in the Northeast okay. that really okay. put together a lot of things that we know now about yeah. the African and African American. Uh, studies Mm -hmm. and so he keep the Schomburg Center is part of the New York Public Library System. And so the scholar in residence that I'm a part of is named after him. And this yeah, is a that's
0: awesome. acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And UC Irvine is, was in 2018, I think, okay. uh, or 2017, it designated a Hispanic serving institution because we have yeah. over 26% of our students I mean, as Hispanic. Yeah. It was it was nice and forward thinking of the director of the Center for Black Cultures to create the scholar in residency mm-hmm. to acknowledge the presence of Afro-Latinidad within the Black or the African diaspora. Very and nice. so that was a really important thing. And that this just happened last year. You know, we're yeah. working on, you know, an events calendar to include an okay. overview of afro and all of those things. And so I think the awareness is there. And I hope through a lot of the different academic and social yeah. channels mm-hmm. uh, with uh, um, Latinos for Black Lives, mm-hmm. that's a strange, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange positioning. Yeah. Where uh, and I think you spoke about it in your in, mm-hmm. in the video as well as like it's hard to say as mm-hmm. as, a, as a Latino community mm-hmm. um, why we are now declaring that we're for black lives <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it's when it's actually a reflexive yeah. uh, concern that we should. Mm-hmm. It's a concern for ourselves, yeah. not for black lives that are outside of us.
0: Exactly. Though so it's exactly. a strange. Yeah.
1: Um, so we're having that conversation is important and keeping it alive. Because one of the things I mentioned in that article Mm -hmm. is that, you know, habits are. You know, we yeah. can quickly go back to old habits and it's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, Latinos and yeah. You know, all these yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. afro the, the black Latinos. Oh, yeah, they're part of our population, but we're all Latinos. And, yeah. and I, I still see online Puerto Ricans posting, mm. oh, I can't be racist. My family looks like this. And the only thing I could, you know, and there are all these little <laughs> yeah. different looking emojis. And yeah. uh, and one time I responded and it's like, yeah. wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, exactly. Yeah, Because it is, it is it really is. Yeah, doesn't reflect the reality of those of us that are we don't fit the stereotype or the imaginary yeah. image of what a Latino is.
0: So I really feel like academia will consolidate that idea of Afro-Latinos here and will document that. And that's something that happens in a different way in Latin America. Uh, you know, when you want to raise issues, you usually do with the civil organizations or other nonprofit organizations. And that's how the awareness built. But in the U.S., it's usually from academia when it comes on, on the other side. So I really like that. And I feel like it will be in interesting to see where we are in you know five years three years um thank you so much maria for coming to talk to us amazing conversation of course yeah you're
1: a great conversation partner (laughs) thank thank you you for having this podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) anytime you want to come uh we're here for you uh we want to know about your book and you know your future plans
1: and yeah so we know you're a professor at university I've worked part-time at Chapman and at UC Irvine and, uh, and that's where the scholar residency is going to be at UC Irvine here in Southern California.
0: Awesome. We're going to share your email address with the audience. If they want to reach out to you, maybe some articles or some information that you want to share with them. That would be fantastic.
1: Yeah. They can reach me at menubia at gmail.com. I'm also at menubia at UCI. Edu, mm-hmm.
0: So whichever one is most convenient for people. And we're going to put it on the notes as well okay. for everyone to see it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Maria, again. And thank this you, is Amanda. AfroSaya. So stay with us. Historia. AfroSaya. Conocimiento. Conocimiento. Identidad.